Today on Podcast by the Bay, current Assembly Member for District 22 in San Mateo County and also the Assembly Speaker Pro Tem, Kevin Mullen. My first job in the area here in San Mateo County was with Jackie Spear when she held this seat uh, as an Assemblywoman and she's been a mentor to me and just seeing her do her work and... Um, and then eventually seeing my father do his work uh, in politics, both at the local level and the state level, I think that really fired uh, my own a political imagination about what I might be able to do pro- uh, professionally. And it's been just a, a wonderful opportunity and a great time to serve. Discussing his views on the issues that are affecting District 22 in San Mateo County, including traffic, transportation, and early education, and also perspective on the governor's new budget proposal. What I'm most encouraged about is this governor's budget. He is committing $1.5 billion in one-time money, uh, potentially another $500 million uh, in ongoing, a significant investment in early childhood education. Gavin Newsom understands that there's no better investment of taxpayer dollars uh, than spending it on early childhood education. Uh, The off-cited statistic for every $1 in early childhood ed used save seven on the back end in criminal justice costs. All coming up on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com And now, another Podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre. And this is Patrick. And welcome to another rendition of Podcast by the Bay. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for downloading the show. And we thank you for spreading the word to all your friends. And so today, we have a very special show. A show we've been looking forward to doing all year. We've been looking forward to do this since the beginning of Podcast by the Bay. And that's speak with some of the top local officials. And so today, we actually have a very special guest. And that's current assembly member for District 22... And that's Kevin Mullen. And not only is Kevin Mullen your current assembly member for San Mateo County, but he's also the assembly speaker pro tem in the California Assembly. So we are very excited. And so, Patrick, uh, this is, you know, something that you've talked you've spoken with uh, Kevin a couple times. We've actually interviewed him before. But this is going to be a nice exclusive kind of sit down, really talk about the issues. I'm really excited about this one because I think there's so many topics. You interviewed him the same day that Gavin Newsom's uh, budget proposal came out. And so there was all these ideas. And, you know, I just I just really think this is going to be a, a really uh, wonderful uh, interview for all the audience to listen to. We're excited to bring Kevin Mullen, our state assemblyman from District 22, uh, right here on Podcast by the Bay for an exclusive interview, talking to 
uh, Patrick and talking to the folks out there, giving us the feedback of what's really happening here in our uh, community right now. So, Patrick, you got to meet. You've actually known Kevin for a while. I'm sorry. You didn't just get to meet. You actually have known Kevin, and uh, you guys have you known him for a while. So can you give us a little background about Kevin and actually about your guys' interview? Well, let me tell you about my my relationship with Kevin. I've known him for over 20 years, and I've known his dad probably going back 30 years. Um, Kevin, I am a delegate for Kevin Mullins and Jerry Hill. Um, I've been honored to do that. I'm, I'm up for re-election here, too. Uh, as a delegate, and I'm honored to do that. Anytime I've run for uh, council, he's been honored to uh, endorse me. Um, he's very excited about what Andre and I are offering here in the Bay Area, which is uh, a political podcast that is addressing issues that are facing not only local city, but Bay Area county. So he's excited about that. Kevin's a fourth generation Californian. Uh, he's a multimedia business person. He has a multimedia company uh called uh, KM2 Communications in South San Francisco. Uh, he Earlier in his political career, he worked for Congresswoman Jackie Speer. He also worked for his dad, Gene Mullen, who is also in assembly. Uh, the 22nd Assembly District, we have to understand, uh, covers 12 cities. I'm going to let you guys do your homework on what 12 cities they are. I will just tell you they exclude Half Moon Bay and Daly City. So that was a little of gerrymandering. Kevin has a... Uh, bachelor's degree from USF uh, in communications. Uh, he also has a degree from San Francisco State University, uh, and that's in uh, leadership, uh, leadership um, uh, as a public servant. Uh, Kevin has uh, been a former city council person in the city of South San Francisco, and he was also mayor in 2007 in the city council. Uh, Kevin uh, is a downright representative of the Bay Area, uh, and it's an honor. Um, I had an opportunity to meet him at his office, and uh, he was coming in from Sacramento. He made that opportunity to, uh, to have an exclusive interview with me. Um, I was a little overwhelmed to see all the pictures and memorabilia in his office. He had a nice picture of Leo Ryan, uh, uh, Robert Kennedy, and a few other people's in notoriety. Uh, Kevin, Kevin was born in 1970, that which makes him 48. This is around the time of Guyana, and also uh, uh, two, two, two years, he was two years old when Robert Kennedy was assassinated. So I imagine that he was uh, brought up to speed with Robert Kennedy from his dad. His dad was a history teacher or a teacher in uh, the South San Francisco or Bay Area. Um, Kevin has been on the uh, TV channel. Channel 26. He's done public affair programming. Uh, he's worked with a lot of uh, people out there that are uh, motivated to do documentaries on the Bay Area. Uh, he's definitely a, a thinker. Uh, and he's a mover and a shaker, too. Uh, Kevin Kevin also was much more into making sure that we, we have uh, reform on politics. Uh, he, he saw that this was a day and age that we needed to work closely on, on the uh, Primaries, and as you know, he moved up the primary. He was key in the legislation to moving up the primary, so California's votes could be counted in the presidential race. As you know, in the past, we were late latecomers. Um, the race was pretty much decided in the precinct before California. Uh, so we're, we he stepped up that. Uh, 
He's also part of the metropolitan system. He's very much concerned about housing and transportation. I mean, he's on the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. Uh, Kevin is real concerned. Uh, we talked about the rainy day funds. He doesn't want to uh, see Gavin spend all that money, uh, our new governor, Gavin Newsom, but I think he's going to work close with him. Um, I talked to him a little bit about Senator Weiner's Bill 50, but I'm not going to tell you what his opinions are because I want you to listen to Kevin. Uh, Kevin is a very thoughtful person. Uh, he thinks things out. Um, and I wish that we had more uh, assemblymen and senators and congressmen that were as thorough as Kevin is. So uh, it is an honor to, uh, to interview Kevin Mullins, and I look forward to uh, interviewing him again. We have to understand he's in his fourth term. Uh, so he's in his fourth term as assemblyman. So this will be his last term. Uh, and, and as Andre mentioned, he is the speaker pro tem for the California assembly, very well respected, uh, and very well respected, uh, with the democratic party locally, state and national. So without further ado, I would like to present to you assemblyman speaker pro tem of California's 22nd assembly district, Kevin Mullen. And just to note, Patrick, and just to note, there's a couple key things I wanted to bring up. One, he is the, the host of the game uh, on the Peninsula TV, the, the, the political show with uh, Mark Simon. So you can see him uh, on Peninsula TV pretty much on a regular basis um, and talking some of the issues that are really important. But one of the fun facts that I wanted to bring up, uh, Patrick mentioned he had an undergrad from USF and he went, got his master's at SF State all Patrick, myself, and Kevin, we all went to San Francisco State at different times, but we all have degrees from San Francisco State. And second, I, uh, he's also a Don from USF, and I'm also a Don from USF. I got my master's at USF. So just And uh, Patrick also got his master's from Notre Dame, which is also a Jesuit. So we had three Jesuit universities uh, right there So between us all. I just wanted to say that was a fun little fact that uh, just researching in the background of Kevin there. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get to the Kevin Mullen interview, Assemblyman for District 22 of San Mateo, and also the Speaker Pro Tem of the Assembly of California. And if you have any questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to us at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at podcastbythebay as our handle or on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcastbythebay. Remember, all of our podcasts are available 24 hours a day for free on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, wherever your podcast site is, they're available there for free anytime, 24 hours a day. So with that, signing off, this is Andre. And this is Patrick. And we'll catch you on the next time of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. Today is Thursday, the uh, 10th of January, 2019. We have the honor of interviewing uh, Kevin Mullen. He's uh, our state assembly man for District 22. Uh, welcome, Kevin, to Podcast by the Bay. Patrick, good to be here with you. And uh, I think you represent 12 cities in the district. Is that right? 12? Yeah. 12 cities. Everybody but Daly City, I says, in the coast. Yeah, you know, my father was in the assembly uh, from 2002 to 2008. In fact, he was in this same office we're in right now. And then it was occupied by Jerry Hill, who's now my immediate next-door neighbor here in San Mateo. Uh, but my father represented the 19th Assembly District, and that included Daly City, and it included Half Moon Bay. It was sort of, uh, 
an elongated district compared to uh, the current 22nd Assembly District when they redrew the districts and the California Citizens uh, Commission on Redistricting redrew the districts. They made the districts a little more compact. So uh, they kind of tightened up my district, if you will. So we lost Daly City and uh, we lost Half Moon Bay from that from that older version of the Assembly District, but it's a wonderful district, and uh, it's been an honor to represent it since 2012. Kevin's into his fourth term. Um, I want to let you know Kevin's a fourth-generation Californian. Uh, he's a graduate of Sarah High School. He's also a graduate of USF um, in communications. He also has a his own communication company. Uh, he's done documentaries. Um, he's done political stuff on Peninsula TV for some of you viewers out there. Um, it's an honor to sit in your office, and one of the things that really kind of strikes me well is the picture of Robert Kennedy there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to read Robert Kennedy's new book that's out with it. His uh, daughter wrote, Carrie Kennedy. It's oh. excellent. Uh, she's interviewed probably 10 or 15 different people that had an opportunity to know Bobby Kennedy. Really? Um, I, I hadn't heard about this. I, yeah. I knew about Chris Matthews' book right. on Bobby uh, which I have sitting in the stack of books that I'm going to get to uh, one of these days, but I hadn't heard about uh, the Carrie Kennedy books. Yeah, and she's got a that. foundation, too, for Robert Kennedy, too, so I know you'd, you'd be interested in doing that. Um, Kevin, you, you're in your uh, fourth term, um, and we've had the honor to have you uh, serving uh, the Assembly District 22. Why don't you give us a couple of highlights of things that have gone on uh, in the district that you're proud of, uh, whether it has to do with housing or transportation? Sure. Um, well, let me just say, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of the podcast. Uh, you have sort of carved out a niche here of a political podcast focusing on the issues of San Mateo County, but also the region, and uh, honored to have you in this office. And you mentioned the Bobby Kennedy photo. For those of you, just to sort of describe this here, I've got a little bit of... Uh, uh, so some old uh, memorabilia. I've got a photo, actually, of Bobby Kennedy in South San Francisco uh, when he was campaigning for president in advance of the California primary in 1968. And this is just the day before he was shot and killed. He was in the San Francisco Bay Area campaigning. And the picture I have has Sign Hill and South City in the background. And he's accompanied by then-Assemblyman Leo Ryan, as well as uh, the future mayor of San Francisco, George Moscone. Well, and I'm going to... And gonna, those three individuals, and that's that, that middle photo right there. Wow, thank you. You know, I'm going to have to share with you, I have the archives that I bought in the, up at the state of the photographs of Bobby Kennedy's last campaign in California when wow. he actually came off the plane when Jesse Unruh um, oh, yeah. Yeah, was there. So uh, maybe sometime I'll share those photos with you, too. I've got those black and white that. photos. So. I would love to see that. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a striking photo because you've got um, all, all three of those men in, the, in that back seat there would eventually be shot and killed at different times, of course. But it's a, it's a striking Well, you know, this, dovetail, this dovetails into why did you get involved in public yeah. service or politics, Kevin? Well... My father, who we just referenced, uh, was a government teacher long before he was a politician. Uh, he was a government teacher, a civics teacher at South San Francisco High School for 33 years. And growing up, I was born in 1970, but growing up in the 70s, um, you know, when 
when Jonestown happened and uh, some of those pivotal events in the later 70s, I started to get a little bit of an awareness of what was happening. And we would talk about it at the dinner table. Uh, my mom was a Republican. My dad was a Democrat. Uh, so we'd have some lively debates. We eventually converted her to the Democratic Party. Uh, I think actually Bill Clinton converted her to the Democratic Party, to be more specific. But uh, we had some lively debates around the kitchen table uh, at home. Uh, and I um, actually discovered these photos. I'm sort of linking all these things together. I actually discovered these photos that we're looking at here in a desk in Jackie Spears' office, and that was my first real political job. Uh, I did work in the East Bay for Johan Clays, who uh, went on to from the Assembly to serve on the Board of Equalization. He gave me my very first job in politics. My first job in the area here in San Mateo County was with Jackie Spear when she held this seat uh, as an Assemblywoman, and she's been a mentor to me. And just seeing her do her work and... Um, and then eventually seeing my father do his work uh, in politics, both at the local level and the state level, I think that really fired uh, my own uh, political imagination about what I might be able to do pro uh, professionally. And it's been just a, a wonderful opportunity and a great time to serve uh, at the state level uh, with a, with a uh, good economy and, and a budget that's flush with cash. We have been very fortunate, very honestly, in the last... Uh, four years that I've been up there, but pardon me, the last six years that I've been up in uh, Sacramento. So it's just been a um, just a wonderful opportunity uh, to serve. And, and your your first question about what we're doing uh, in the district, what I'm most proud of is the work that we're doing on transportation, which you know we get into the, kind of the nuts and bolts of, of things. But we passed Senate Bill One, five billion dollars a year. We were able to. Uh, turn back the repeal effort in Proposition 6. So those funds will be uh, distributed statewide, and we'll certainly get our share of it here in San Mateo County. I'm working on the Managed Lanes Project and was able to secure some funds in that in that bill uh, specific for San Mateo County. Uh, regional Measure 3, a, a toll increase. Uh, we're going to help with the 101-92 corridor and the Dumbarton corridor and, and do some good things um, uh, with Caltrain and our other public transportation systems. And then I was the author of the enabling legislation on Measure W, which was a two-thirds vote here locally, and it passed. I think I think the margin was something like 500-something votes, so it was a very tight uh, two-thirds vote. Uh, but I was uh, the uh, sole uh, state or federal office holder to support that, to endorse, formally endorse that measure. So that was a, a really nice win in the November election, and that uh, that will uh, be substantial uh, dollars uh, to this county uh, over the next 30 years. So it will also leverage regional, state, and potentially uh, federal funds as well, since we're a self-help county, since we're raising funds locally for transportation. So we really are uh, making a quantum leap when it comes to transportation. Uh, we're not doing enough on housing and income inequality. And a can whole I go, can I go back a little there. bit yeah. on the on the uh, transportation? Um, I had an opportunity to interview about 16 mayors on the peninsula, and I noticed one thing that we don't have in San Mateo County and is a transit district. Um, do you think a transit district, what I mean is the Sam Trams, the BART, the Caltrans, they're all fighting for the same federal and state tax dollar based on ridership. Do you think a transit district would be something that maybe the uh, county should uh, consider? Well, or do you think that that's going to be another... Uh, that's an interesting question, and frankly, I haven't contemplated 
that specific question. I mean, we have the, the San Mateo County Transit District and Sam Trans. I see the work of Caltrain and Sam Trans and the TA as complementary. They are all housed really in the same building uh, in San Carlos. There's lots of coordination among the, the various transportation entities in this county. I think there is a larger question you have uh, that, you're, that you're touching on, which is, do we have too many transportation entities around the bay? And that's funny, the, the, the last meeting I have this afternoon is with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, and they have sort of an ongoing project of looking at how do we consolidate transportation agencies? More importantly, how do we coordinate all of the services among these various entities, many of which don't always uh, communicate with each other, so to speak, when it, when it comes to uh, the departure times and those kinds of things. The Clipper Card effort has been an effort to sort of unify these different entities under one system of payment. Uh, some good things are happening there, but so much more needs to be done. And there is a challenge just with the, the geographic layout of the Bay Area, very honestly. The Bay is our number one resource. It's uh, probably the main reason it's, it's uh, such an attractive place to live here in the Bay Area. But it does create a bit of a geographic barrier. Uh, the East Bay to the West Bay, North Bay, South Bay. Uh, if we didn't have that Bay, perhaps there might be better coordination. So we have to look at, you know, how do these entities work together that circle the bay? And how do we better utilize the bay? So there is additional investment going toward ferries and private ferries and smaller uh, uh, private services, ways to move people uh, across the bay in a more uh, seamless kind of a uh, Have you heard, of, uh, have you met Dave Tanner, a former city council person in Woodside? Uh, I know him. I know certainly know the name. I haven't talked to him in in a well, while. The reason why I bring it up is is he had a proposal of a uh, super bullet train um, near the Tamperan Shopping Center to uh, kind of like a 380 connection, which would stop off at all those towns that are bringing in the traffic in the Bay Area. Because the main problem that we have in the Bay Area is the single driver. Um, but I would encourage you to look at Dave Tanner. We have him on our website. We did interview him. He's yeah. a career person in Woodside. He's just retired from city council. He's a builder. Yeah. But he came with an innovative idea yeah. that I think we need to get the people out of their car somehow. And I absolutely I well, can't agree more with you the, the difficulty we have in the peninsula because of yeah. the east-west, 101 north and south. So, But I, I, I applaud you for doing that. There was some other, you know, I think the last time I interviewed you, and I, I'm going to kind of dovetail back, and sure. that was in the early start of podcast by the Bay. Yeah. Um, Something was happening across the country, and that was sexual harassment. Uh, this was the situation uh, where the wine stock, the move on, were all getting together, and there was some abuse happening in the uh, industry, in the uh, in the entertainment industry, and in politics, and all over. And I know you were instrumental when you went back to Sacramento. That that would have been a year ago to go back. What's happened since then? Do you, have you guys? Uh, created more legislation on in regards to that? There was a, a concerted effort in the wake of um, the various Me Too allegations, um, the the Time's Up movement and those kinds of things. The We lost uh, uh, some assembly members who resigned uh, in disgrace because of some of the um, allegations uh, that were being made. So it was a real shock to the system. And what we looked at is we had to do something pretty dramatic to change the culture 
of Sacramento. And it was, it, was, it was politics, it was Wall Street, it was Hollywood, but it's also business, places of business, large and small, uh, across the country. So um, the legislation, we put a package together led by the former assistant speaker pro tem, and now she'll be chairing uh, one of our, our, our key committees, Laura Friedman. She really, uh, she chaired the hearings uh, in Sacramento, very high-profile uh, public hearings on the issue. So we adopted a, a, a raft of, of bills to deal with a variety of issues on uh, uh, non-disclosure agreements and workplace uh, harassment, essentially sending a message that we had to change our own culture internally at the Capitol, but also in the lawmaking function, had to strengthen uh, protections uh, for, uh, particularly in the workplace. And California is going to lead the country, I believe, among the states in terms of how we have approached this issue. But it's not as though, you know, this is one year and a a series of bills that gets passed. It really is an ongoing effort, uh, particularly internally, about how we uh, handle handle complaints. So I've I've been pleased with how we have uh, gone about uh, approaching the issue. The question now is how effective those bills are in really changing the culture, changing people's behavior, and really setting a national standard. Frankly, in how we how we deal with these matters. What do you think of the single payer insurance? Do you think under the new governor we're somehow going to be able to push the single payer insurance uh, thing through in the state? Well, the governor has acknowledged some of the challenges with setting up a single-payer system. Uh, He is supportive of the concept, as am I. The question is, how do you get there? And he has acknowledged that it's not as simple as him signing a bill. It's really about how do we go about restructuring uh, the healthcare marketplace in the state. I would say he's probably viewing it as something of a phased-in approach. He's uh, in his budget that he released today, focusing on uh, covering uh, the children of un- undocumented immigrants, expanding Medi-Cal coverage, getting to universal coverage. There are about 9% of our residents here in the state that don't have access to health care. We need to get those folks covered. We need to get to universal access, universal coverage, and in the process, figure out a way to get to single payer. He issued a letter, a request essentially of the federal government to grant a waiver to allow the state of California to begin exploring some innovative ways to establish uh, a single payer system. I don't think anybody's holding their breath uh, waiting for Donald Trump to uh, give California any kind of a waiver, uh, frankly, for anything. Uh, So I think um, that is something of a symbolic effort but I do believe he is committed to, it, during this first term of his, to take actionable steps uh, to get toward uh, that. But it is extremely complicated how you would transition a, a mixed public-private system to a single-payer system and how you are able to generate potentially $200 billion. I've heard estimates anywhere from $200 billion to $400 billion. That is, that's a significant significant cost, but you would also experience uh, potentially commensurate cost savings by transitioning. But it's really how do you deal with the transition to get uh, to a single payer. I think we're probably eventually going to see some action on Medicare for all at the federal level if we have a new president. Uh, I think you're going to see a new president in 2020. I think this 
This most recent election was the first step of a two-step correction, a little bit like 2006 when Nancy Pelosi became the speaker the first time, and two years later we had Barack Obama. I really think you're seeing history repeat itself a little bit. I'm not saying we're going to have an Obama-like figure, but I think we will have a Democrat in the Oval Office in 2020. And I think you will have a robust discussion around how, on the federal level, um, we, we move toward a Medicare for all kind of approach. Short of that, the states need to be given some freedom to be uh, innovative. In this regard. Kevin, you've been instrumental in early childhood learning. What legislation um, are you proud of that you're seeing that has gone through um, to help encourage more counties to uh, put more money out there for early childhood learning? Well, the, uh, what I'm most encouraged about is this governor's budget. He is committing $1.5 billion in one-time money, uh, potentially another $500 million uh, in ongoing, a significant investment in early childhood education. Gavin Newsom understands that there's no uh, better investment of taxpayer dollars uh, than spending it on early childhood education. Uh, the off-cited uh, statistic for every $1 in early childhood ed, you save seven on the back end in criminal justice costs. It is absolutely imperative this governor gets it. Our last governor, and I love Jerry Brown, uh, he is a legend, uh, but he did not, I think, really understand the value of, of investing in early childhood education. This governor does get it. And you're seeing that uh, a budget is a, is a priorities document, and he is absolutely going to be prioritizing early childhood ed. So from a, from a budgetary standpoint, I, I am very optimistic I'm proud of some of the work we did legislatively. Uh, I authored a bill to create a, a single license, sort of streamlining the licensing process, which actually has the potential, given some of the efficiencies that will be experienced by providers, that we're actually going to be expanding uh, and giving uh, more access to care for more uh, working families in the state. So there are a bunch of us that care about these issues. You know, I worked on a, a facilities project for the Child Care Coordinating Council. We have not solved the facilities challenge uh, in a high-cost county like this. So I'm going to be advocating for a bond uh, to fund early childhood education facilities. And I'll be working with my colleague Kevin McCarty from Sacramento, uh, who's the chair of the, the relevant budget subcommittee. So uh, we're working closely on that. And our speaker, uh, Anthony Rendon, comes out of the early childhood education arena. So. Uh, from the governor on down through the legislative leadership, we get the value of this issue. So I'm really optimistic we're going to make some uh, some bold strides when it comes to uh, properly funding. I wanted to programs. touch and talk a little bit about housing. Um, obviously, uh, Senator Weiner in, in his new uh, bill, which is 50, is a lot more watered down than 827. Um, and I'm wondering what, what your feelings on the uh, Senate Bill 50. Well, I'm withholding judgment uh, until I actually see the text and it comes over to my house. It starts in the Senate, of course. Uh, this will be uh, hotly debated. Uh, my, uh, my hope is that this uh, spurs a broader discussion around a number of things that need to be done on the housing front. You know, a couple of years ago, we had uh, 15 new laws signed. I had a teacher housing bill and created something called Affordable Housing Authorities, which is a, a form of redevelopment uh, reestablished at the local level. But we just, frankly, haven't done enough. We haven't done enough to the scale of the problem here. We've got a full-blown affordable housing crisis. So I appreciate Senator Weiner pushing this issue. 
he is a real thought leader uh, on this, uh, believes in uh, density around transit. Um, how do we incentivize cities to grow properly and, and do some more density uh, around transit centers? Density is a key to dealing with climate change uh, issues going forward in terms of greenhouse gas emissions and the footprint uh, of greenhouse gases and land use and all of those issues there. So um, the governor, uh, in his budget release today, uh, advocated for and is endorsing state tax credits to uh, further encourage the development of affordable housing. But I would say that I'm a little um, I'm a little concerned that the governor is going in the direction, our new governor is going in the direction of withholding transportation funds from cities that don't meet their don't meet their regional housing needs allocation goals. So essentially taking the stick approach as opposed to the carrot approach, I would prefer, uh, given some of the challenges we have in San Mateo County in terms of meeting our numbers, uh, I, I think we ought to be incentivizing cities to build the right way. And I think we also need to restore redevelopment agencies to those cities, which was the single greatest source of funding for affordable housing. The governor, in his press conference today, essentially shot that idea down uh, and said he didn't put it in his budget, uh, doesn't think it's necessary at this moment. So I think it's a missed opportunity. I think the governor should be endorsing sort of an all-of-the-above strategy, and we need to give tools to local governments to uh, enable them to build affordable housing and not necessarily make it a punitive approach. So we will hash all those things out in our budget negotiations, uh, but uh, I'm pleased that at least the governor is putting the level of attention on the issue that is necessary, and he gets that we have a crisis uh, in the Bay Area in this very high cost. Uh, and, and back in 2008, when we were in a real deep recession, uh, the state pulled back uh, our redevelopment money. Um, and I'm hearing words in Sacramento, uh, especially from Senator Weiner's office and other ones, that they may be bringing back the redevelopment money to the cities. Do you think that's a, that's a good idea? I, I absolutely think uh, we're not in a budget crisis like we were, but we are in an affordable housing crisis. And when you have the single greatest source of funding for affordable housing off the table, it just makes no sense, right? So I'll be a joint author of AB 11 by Assemblymember David Chu to restore redevelopment. I'm hoping that the governor will at least entertain this discussion. The bill will be uh, a way for us to push this issue. Again, I'm disappointed he didn't include it in his initial budget proposal. But the budget is a negotiation. We will, as the legislature, counter with our own set of proposals. And um, I would say overall, this governor is going to be in alignment with the legislative leadership in terms of the priorities. It really gets down to, okay, what when you look at the menu of options to deal with the housing crisis, should redevelop, restoration of redevelopment be one of them? And I would say absolutely it should be. So hopefully that'll be a, a point of uh, negotiation with the governor as we move toward the uh, what will be the June 15th deadline for adopting our, our annual budget. You know, it's kind of hard to grab a hold of that 3.5 million uh, houses that are needed in the state of California without trying to dissect. Is that affordable housing? Is that workforce housing? Um, I know we lump it all together. Is there any way that somehow we can extract that? Because I know the Bay Area, we're seeing the, the workforce housing, whether it has to do with teachers or whether it has to do with insurance agents or bankers or blue collar, um, a difficulty 
living in, uh, you know, San Mateo or Santa Clara County. I know other counties don't suffer those same things that we suffer immediately down here. Um, can we kind of grab a hold of somehow? Uh, um, and uh, when I talked with Senator Weiner, he, he kind of his answer at the end was supply and demand. So he, he was thinking once the market and the real estate kind of calms down, we won't be having this big demand for housing. Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting perspective. I mean, supply and demand is always at work. Uh, the 3.5 million figure, uh, that, is, that is a very aggressive number. Uh, I'm encouraged by that in that the governor is an aspirational kind of a guy. He's ambitious, obviously. Uh, I think wants to set sort of a high bar uh, for the legislature and policymakers to to try to meet. I've not seen that number sort of broken down in terms of how many of those would be below market rate uh, units, for example. So a couple things uh, I see happening here. There's no doubt there will be action on this issue this year. But we will be eventually moving toward a, a situation where the economy slows. Uh, San Mateo County property values always hold, but the situation, say, for renters might uh, evolve to a place where it's just not as acute of a crisis. I'm not saying it's, it won't be an issue if the economy cools. It's just the nature of this issue, I think, will evolve. We're, we're at a, a full-blown crisis point right now where people are being displaced. Um, you know, the, the numbers are off the chart in terms of what it costs uh, to rent just a, a one-bedroom uh, place anywhere, anywhere on this peninsula. And there used to be pockets of affordability. They're really hard to find now, uh, regardless of where you go uh, in this county. But um, the voters sort of uniformly in this county don't, want to see rent control happen. I don't think rent control uh, in, in a vacuum uh, is an answer. Really, we have to figure out ways to incentivize local governments. Uh, to make, we, we need to make it in the financial interests of local governments to build affordable housing. And right now, unfortunately, building housing is a financial loser for cities, the way our state local financing works. So that's something, too, that the governor has been quiet on. But if you, for those of us that, that look at this issue closely, understand there are, there's an underlying problem with the way taxation works in the state and how uh, local communities benefit or don't benefit uh, by some of their land use decisions. And we need to make it pay. We need to make it uh, beneficial for cities to build affordable housing so they can make a case to their residents who well, may I, have some concerns about the change of the status quo, that this really is in, the, in, the, in everybody's collective interest. I might, suggest, I might suggest an idea, and I ran it by a couple of people. <clears throat> Why don't we have some tax incentive for people that own property with density housing where we give them some type of tax credit? Um, obviously, on affordable housing, building near a train and corridor transportation, there's some tax benefit, which is offsets the builder to build more housing. Um, but you bring up a really valid point, and I brought it up before. The state has a lot of surplus land near corridor transportation areas. Mm -hmm. Why are we not using that land? As a real estate broker, we realize that at least 50% of the value is the land, right. uh, and then the other 50% is the, is the labor. And you're going to see a, a major push on that very issue around state land, state-owned properties, and 
um, expediting uh, some of the processes with regard to the use of that land. That that will be a major component of anything we do going forward. Uh, now, the, you mentioned the carrot and stick thing, and that was the same thing when we had uh, redeveloped money to begin with, and uh, the cities were all supposed to do affordable housing. Um, I've interviewed quite a few different mayors, and Foster City has a unique situation. We do 20% affordable housing. I may be going down to Redwood City, and they do a project by project, and I might go to San Carlos, and they do a project by project. Or if I talk to somebody in Woodside or Portola Valley or Hillsboro, that's just not part of the equation. Is there any idea out there, Kevin, that you have that we can kind of create some incentives for cities to to uh, to build more affordable housing? Sure. Well, there's a conversation that is happening right now about sort of looking at the reality of San Mateo County, where some jurisdictions, just given the, the nature of um, how they've been built out, are really simply don't embrace the development of affordable housing period. We don't want to let those communities off the hook, so to speak, but we also need to look at the reality that it's actually just not happening. But there are funds uh, that could be shared with adjoining communities. Uh, we need to work in a collaborative way in this county. The, the key for me is, are we as a county, in aggregate, building our share of affordable housing? When we're generating the, the number of jobs that we have uh, being generated in this county and our, our jobs housing imbalance is extreme, you know, where 15 jobs are being created for every one housing unit, we simply need to do more as a, as a county and as a region. But we also need to be creative and at the same time realistic about what is and is not possible in these various jurisdictions in our county. So we need to be creative about how we do this. And um, if a community is willing to step up and meet their RENA goals, um, they ought to have some level of compensation perhaps from other communities that are unwilling to build. Now, it gets very tricky though, because when you talk that way, people hear what they hear is that you're letting jurisdictions off the hook. And, um, but we need to have a realistic conversation about what is actually happening with supply and demand and which communities are actually doing the building and where it's frankly just simply not going to happen. So we need to think creatively about this and I'm willing to look at any ideas that our jurisdictions have in this county to be creative when it comes to our arena obligations and how do we kind of collectively move that needle in a better direction. And there are some very good things happening, the Home for All program at the county, and um, many jurisdictions are stepping up and, and, and doing their part. It's really about sort of collectively how do we work together in a collaborative way to close that 15 to 1 number and do more to solve this, this regional crisis. Kevin, on behalf of Podcast by the Bay, I want to thank you for your time and all your dedicated public service. It was an honor to have an opportunity to interview. Great Thanks to again, Kevin. Patrick. Thanks for being here.
And that was Leo DeVito performing the song entitled On Green Dolphin Street. And you can find out more about Leo DeVito at the Highway Soul Music page at highwaysoul.com. And if you enjoyed the show, you enjoyed what you heard, please send us an email, podcastbythebay at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, at podcastbythebay is our handle, and also on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcastbythebay. All right, we'll keep on rocking and stay tuned, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.Liberty-RealtyInvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Stay tuned.